Welcome to About the Journey, the podcast from Marriott Bomboy Traveler that takes you on a road trip where the end point is not the end goal. We've all heard the phrase, life is about the journey, not the destination, and I couldn't agree more. It's about the people you meet and the stories you hear along the way. I'm your host, Onika Raymond. I'm a travel journalist and member of Marriott Bonvoy, and I couldn't be more excited to share my favorite unexpected stories with you from my travels around the world. On this episode, we'll take you on the ultimate road trip from the city that never sleeps, New York City, down to the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Many people do this trip every single day, and for most of them, it involves a lot of interstate driving or a train. But this podcast is all about taking the road less traveled, so for our drive, we're detouring off the major highways and exploring some of the lesser visited stops in between. I have to admit that I have a soft spot for both cities. I mean, I've called New York City home for the past few years and have road tripped to D.C. from there a number of times. The sights, culture, and overall vibe in both cities are unparalleled. But there's also a lot to see as you go from one to the other. We're going to kick off this trip in Sandy Hook, New Jersey, a surprisingly great spot for birdwatching. Then we're off to Wilmington, Delaware for a showdown. We're hitting the streets to find out who has the best subs in the city. Our final stop before reaching D.C. is in Annapolis, Maryland, where a rebellious artist's legal battle against the city has helped usher in a new art scene and its long-forgotten Black history. That's all to come, so buckle up. In just over an hour, or maybe a little more if the traffic's bad, We'll ditch the bustling streets of New York, cut through the Lincoln Tunnel, and make our way down the Jersey Shore to Sandy Hook. The peninsula offers some of the most beautiful scenery in the Garden State. Today, we'll meet some tiny locals on a burning tour at Gateway National Recreation Area. Even the most diehard urbanites will love this stop. I mean, we all need to escape the city, and Gateway is a great place to do it. With a recreation area spanning 26,000 acres, there are ample opportunities to get back in touch with nature through activities like boating, fishing, and today's adventure, bird watching, with Lindsay McNamara from the American Bird Conservancy. I think one of my favorite things about birding New Jersey is just busting this dirty jurors myth, right? Like there, believe it or not, there's a lot of open space throughout New Jersey and, and also a lot of farmland. We are the the Garden State after all. You might not guess it, but New Jersey is one of the premier birding spots in the world. There's just so many different habitats. In the wintertime, you can look for loons and different scoters and sea ducks along the ocean. Um, in the summertime, you can look for skimmers or terns or other shorebirds. But then you also have Sandy Hook Bay on the other side. So you can look bayside for other shorebirds or herons or gulls. You can start your bird walk from a few different points on Sandy Hook. Lindsay knows the Six Mile Peninsula like it's her backyard and even has a favorite route. I like to start all the way at the north tip and then work my way back towards the parking lot when I go to Sandy Hook. There's also this spot, um, if you park at Emlot, that birders refer to as the bowl. Um, And it's a little bit off the path, but there's usually a lot of warblers and songbirds there. And you just kind of drive around and you can just park in different lots, get out and see if you hear or see anything interesting. Don't worry if you're not able to get out on a perfect spring day. 
just about every type of weather can produce an amazing bird walk. I like if it's sunny out <laughs> um, and there's some blue skies so I can get some good pictures with my camera too. Maybe, you know, like not too hot or not too cold. Um, but on windy days, um, the birds tend to drop a little bit lower in the trees to take refuge. And so if you go out on a windier day, you might actually get better looks at some of these birds that would normally be really high in the treetops. And they call it warbler neck. You have to like crane your neck um, a lot to be able to see them and you can get great looks. Lindsay's biggest piece of advice for newcomers? I would tell them not to be afraid to get a little nerdy and that you don't have to wear anything special to go birding. You don't need fancy hiking or outdoor clothes or anything like that. You can just dress for the weather and wear comfortable shoes like sneakers. Um, It would be helpful to have a pair of binoculars, especially birding binoculars. But if not, you can keep an ear out and go birding by ear too, which is really fun and, and pretty challenging. If you're a more intrepid birder with some extra time on your itinerary, drive down to Cape May, located on the southernmost tip of New Jersey. Here you'll find one of the most famous birding hotspots in the world, known as the raptor capital of North America. But if you're ready to get back on the road, you're in for a drive that's worth your while. Head down I-95 toward Philly, where you'll pick up the Harriet Tubman Byway. This scenic drive winds all the way to Maryland's eastern shore. Along the drive, you'll pass landmarks of the life and legacy of Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad. In downtown Philly, stretch your legs at the final residence of William Still, a famous conductor on the Underground Railroad. Then make your way to Tubman Garrett Riverfront Park in Wilmington, Delaware. This park celebrates American abolitionist Thomas Garrett and Harriet Tubman, of course. It also happens to be the ideal spot for a midday picnic with waterfront views, which brings us to our next stop, lunch. In Romeo and Juliet, it's the Capulets and the Montagues. In Philly, it's Genos versus Pats. But in Wilmington, it's all about Casapulas, Capriottis, or Yahtzees, three rival sub shops in the area. Whether they're getting a cheesesteak, Italian, or hamburger sub, residents here know their sub order like the back of their hand. Uh, mayo, crushed hot peppers, lettuce, tomatoes. No hot peppers, sweet peppers instead. Uh, everything except pickles. So I got mayo, oil, and then sweet and hot. American cheese and fried onions. And Italian sub with everything on it. Uh, fried onions, raw onions, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise and onions. And if you ask locals who makes the best subs in Wilmington, everyone's got a favorite. Capriati's. Casapulas. In my opinion, yes. But it's not always an easy choice. That's an unfair question. I don't know that I could answer my, answer that. It would incriminate <laughs> me in uh, ways that, listen, I'm a big Yachts and a big Casapoulos fan. Oh my gosh. It's like uh, you eat all of them. I would say. I would say Yachts and Capriati's. Capriati's. One thing that everybody can agree on is what makes a good sub. The bread. The fresh bread. To me, bread. Um, the bread has the to be bread. soft. The bread. The bread is, is definitely key. As for my order, while I'm a simple kind of gal, you can't come to these iconic spots and not get the works. So I'm getting everything on my sub. I bet that you're craving a Wilmington sub right now. Would you go to Casapulas, Capriati's, or Yahtzee's? That's for you to decide. 
As we leave Delaware heading south and west towards Maryland, we'll take the U.S. 301 towards the famous Chesapeake Bay Bridge, one of the longest dual-span bridges in the world. Feel free to make a pit stop on Kent Island. Head over to Mattapique Park to enjoy a beautiful view of the bay or feast on some Maryland crabs at Stevensville Crab Shack. Soon after crossing the bridge, we'll arrive in Annapolis, the capital of Maryland. The historic city has architecture from the Georgian period to the Victorian era, leading some to call it a museum without walls. But for a fresher take on this small town, we're speaking with a contemporary painter whose murals have sparked age-old questions of character and identity here. I got a call from uh, one of the business owners in Annapolis who asked me to do a mural on one of his restaurants. This is Jeff Huntington, better known as Ja Ru. He's a muralist whose art spans the globe, but he calls Annapolis home. His restaurant is about 50 feet with inside of the historic district. So it gets sensitive once you get inside the historic district here, because in Annapolis, that's the golden goose egg. Annapolis's historic district has all the makings of a quaint American colonial town. Red brick sidewalks, pastel buildings, and numerous patriotic flags make up the main street. So it was quite a shock when Jaru unveiled a bold mural depicting Buddha on one half and a screaming nurse from the Russian film Battleship Potemkin on the other. The mural is called Agony and Ecstasy and represents bliss and pain. As Jaru describes it, the mural set off a World War III of sorts in the historic district of Annapolis. The city then uh, set out to sue the building owner, and that took place and got dragged out over the course of the next two years. After a lot of back and forth, the city finally approved the mural retroactively. The whole legal spat was a turning point for Gavin Buckley, the restaurant owner who commissioned Jaru's mural. He decided he was going to run for mayor on an art platform as a change agent, and he ended up winning and becoming mayor. Hi, I'm Mayor Gavin Buckley, Mayor of the City of Annapolis. During that litigation process, I made a decision to run for office. And truly, that piece of art is the reason that I'm, I'm, I'm the Mayor of the City of Annapolis. Jaru says the mural posed a vital question for the community of Annapolis, just whose history is worth preserving. I've had the opportunity to meet people here, historians, um, who tell a different history. They tell the African-American history here that has been, um, in some cases, erased, in some cases, hidden, uh, torn down, you know, neighborhoods that have been torn down and raised. Take Cars Beach, an iconic Maryland music venue where locals could catch musicians like Sarah Vaughn, Duke Ellington, and Stevie Wonder. I mean, this was a venue that truly shaped the sounds of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and now, only its legacy remains. To further this mission, Ja Ru and his wife Julia ended up founding a nonprofit called Future History Now. The goal is rooted in artistic expression to produce collaborative public art projects that both preserve Annapolis's rich Black history and shape the conversations happening today. Last year, there was a lot of uh, civil unrest, and it just kind of our work naturally went toward what was happening, what what the people were feeling. 
The notion of art reflecting life is probably best seen in the mural of Breonna Taylor that went up in Annapolis. So we ended up finding this park in a um, historic black neighborhood. And the park is called Chambers Park, and everybody came out. So we probably had about 100 people working on it all said and done. It's pretty wonderful to see a lot of people wanting to make murals now. And we, you know, young uh, muralists are, are emerging in this town, and they see that people use art for a myriad uh, awesome reasons. Everyone is suddenly on that bandwagon and so much the better for, you know, artists who are struggling to get by. At least a few more artists have work to do now. You know, Ja Rule's stories from Annapolis are an important reminder of the power of art and how it can help, heal, and educate our communities. Not only is his work a wake-up call for residents to leave behind a colonial history based on exclusion and erasure, it's also a call to action to the community to actively embrace the contributions and achievements of people of color in Annapolis and beyond. It's such a beautiful thing to see and the perfect note to end on as we finish up our journey. It's just a 45-minute drive to D.C., From Annapolis, it's a straight shot on Route 50 into the nation's capital. After an illuminating drive, we can finally hang our hats at the W. Washington, D.C., a member of Marriott Bonvoy. The hotel is known for its clever nods towards the district. For example, if you visit their restaurant, Cherry, you'll notice the pizza oven and bar are covered in pennies, a cheeky reference to the hotel's next-door neighbor, the U.S. Treasury. It's also the perfect scenery to pair with one of their signature, witty, and politically-themed cocktails. Try the Bipartisan, which features one red and one blue cocktail on a balance scale. Or the Ghost in the White House, a whiskey-based drink served in a glass skull with cinnamon-infused smoke pouring out of the top. Then sit back and watch the sunset as you plan tomorrow's adventures. And just like that, we've reached the end of our NYC to DC road trip. We hope you find inspiration in the stories we've shared about birding and exploring in Sandy Hook, New Jersey, eating to your heart's content at the Wilmington Sub Showdown, and Jaru's mission and murals in Annapolis. About the Journey is produced by Marriott Bonvoy Traveler, Atwill Media, and me, Onika Raymond. Our Marriott producers are Robin Benefield and Jess Moss. Our Atwill Media producers are Mitch Bluestein, Christy Westgard, Elliot Davis, and Naila Andre. Special thanks to our guests on this episode for sharing their stories along the route. And thanks to you, our listeners, for coming on the ride. You can learn more about this route from NYC to DC and get other road trip ideas from Marriott Bonvoy Traveler at traveler.marriott.com or in the show notes. And if you like this episode of About the Journey, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on The Open Road. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes, 
I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. Listen.